Hey, folks, want to get a big league performance in your backyard? Well, look no further than Steel Products, S-T-I-H-L, and you can find all of their products online at SteelUSA.com, and you can find your local dealer at SteelDealers.com. As I like to say, there's one right around the corner from you because they have more than 10,000, so they're in every neighborhood. Their products are vast. Their products go from amateur, like me and you, all the way up to the top professionals who use them 10 hours a day. And they are loaded up, man. I was just at their facility out near the airport. It's a gorgeous facility. They have so many products that they move throughout the region. And it's a worldwide company. And they have something for you. I guarantee you they have a number of somethings for you. They're going to help uh, make your property, make your garage, make your life much easier and everything looking pristine. So go check them out. SteelUSA.com, SteelDealers.com. It's S-T-I-H-L. Boyer's Coffee, good. Good to the last drop. It's outstanding. In fact, I'm looking at my cup right now and I have a couple of swigs left Third cup of the day. Love my Boyer's coffee. And it's been brewed at altitude since 1965. It's smooth. It's rich. It's consistent. And you can have it delivered right to your door, as I always do, by going to boyerscoffee.com, where you can find it in your local market. They're a proud partner and have been for a long time with the Colorado Rockies. And their coffee is outstanding. So check it out, boyerscoffee.com, boyerscoffee.com. You'll be glad you ordered from them. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, a fearless Rockies prospect with some fearless aspirations. I'd be lying if, you know, I wasn't a little bit happy that I came into a, an organization without a World Series. I think it'd definitely be something really special to be a, a part of that first team. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see uh, where the organization is in 10 years. Drew talks with the Rockies' Zach Veen. Also, some thoughts on Jeff Saturday, CU men's basketball, the Broncos, and are you sick of hearing about the L.A. Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets, you might not be alone. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is show number 176. Remember a while ago, I got on my soapbox about coaching in football, particularly head coaches in football, and I know where you think this is going. You think it's going to be, uh, you know, another indictment of Coach Hackett, and that's not where I was going. Where I was going, because he's taken enough abuse, and I don't need to pile on right now. Jeff Saturday, who I think is really entertaining and really smart, don't know Jeff Saturday, uh, but watching him on ESPN. Very likable, very uh, astute, and lo and behold, he comes out of the studio, not even out of the broadcast booth, and he and he gets the Indianapolis Colts interim head coaching job. Jim Irsay picked him, Ring of Fame member of the Colts, and so many people, notably Bill Cower for one, Joe Thomas, the outstanding former tackle, were aghast that somebody from the coaching fraternity who had put in 
years and years and years had not been selected. It was a slight to so many. And I certainly understand where if I'm a coach looking for an opportunity, especially if I was on that Indianapolis staff, and they bring in an outsider, somebody from television, that, you know, you're going to maybe raise an eye or an eyebrow as the saying goes. But Jeff Saturday was a great player, really smart player, made all the calls on the offensive line as a, as a center. And my point of this little diatribe is this. I've said this before. I think I just said it a few weeks ago. The best head coaching candidate may be the, the secondary coach on a team that wins four games this year in the NFL. Because ultimately, it's about leadership. Leadership and motivation. Where is it written that you had to have called plays? Where is it written that you have to come immediately from a program that won a lot of games? I'm sure that would be nice. It looks better on the resume you were associated with a winning team. But at the end of the day, it's not about the X's and O's, you're going to hire a huge staff. You're going to hire somebody you're comfortable with who's going to be the play caller offensively and the play caller defensively. And listen, there's very little innovation. Innovation happens, but it's not like teams are lining up and you're going, oh my goodness, I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. I mean, if a coach is doing that when they're watching tape in preparation for a weekend game, they're probably not in the position they ought to be. So it comes down to having great leadership characteristics. And that is not limited to guys just who've been in the industry for a long time. It can be Someone who played and maybe is doing television and walks out of that spot. And I'm not suggesting that Jeff Saturday is the second coming of Don Shula because he won a football game in his first opportunity on Sunday. They have a much tougher test uh, this week against Philadelphia than they had last week. My point is that let's not overcomplicate this thing. It's about leadership. And leadership can come from a lot of different places. It does not have to come from somebody that spent 25 or 30 years building their resume, stopping in 12 different college towns and four different NFL towns. Okay. On to the next subject. Boy, this has been bugging me, and I touch on this every once in a while. Remember a couple weeks ago I talked about how, why do they keep talking about the Lakers? The Lakers suck. Yeah, they have LeBron James, an all-timer. I get it. And they got Davis, who should be one of the five best players in the league, but doesn't play like it on a night-to-night basis. But overall, the Lakers stink. I know they're a marquee franchise, but stop talking about them. Well, now I got another one. Well, it's been ongoing. The Nets. We keep talking about the Nets. And the Kyrie Irving deal, which as a Jew, offensive, even if I wasn't Jewish, offensive. Uh, but my diatribe here has nothing to do with Kyrie Irving. It has to do with the fact that they're not very good. 
And we keep talking also about Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons, you know, should be helping the Nets win games more than he is. Do you know the other night they got beat by Sacramento by more than 30? And ESPN, and I watch ESPN all the time, and I have I have friends there, and I have people I have great respect for, and I know the deal in sports television. you got to fill up a lot of time. In fact, I'll take you way back. I'm getting off on a tangent. Way back, as somebody who, just like you, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you weren't a lover of sports and a lover of competition. Way back, when ESPN was starting, I was like, are you kidding me? Who's going to watch sports as much as I love it? Who's going to watch sports 24-7? It's not going to work. And we know that they became the you know the 10,000-pound gorilla, and I'm thrilled they did. I've done work for them you know, at different times in my career. And as I said, I have great respect for a lot of people there. And, and you know I'm a huge fan of, of PTI, Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser. And it seems like, and they get tired of it too, but they, they always are producers coming up and they say, well, we got to talk about the Nets and we got to talk about Ben Simmons. So in this 30 plus point blowout to Sacramento, they said, is there a silver lining? Because Ben Simmons scored 11 points in the game. 11 points. This is the NBA where, you know, the, the 12th guy can, can get you 20 on a given night in a blowout, certainly in garbage time. Ben Simmons scored 11 points. It was his first time all year in double figures. I've never understood why we're so enamored of Ben Simmons. And and I I feel for him because I know he's gone through some mental health stuff. But how is Ben Simmons this elite guy? Yeah, he can play defense. He can distribute the basketball. It's still, at the end of the day, about winning games late and having guys on the floor that can score the basketball late and want the basketball late, not just guys who are willing to distribute it because he doesn't want the ball late because he's afraid of going to the line. I've never understood why people are so enamored of Ben Simmons. And stop talking about the Lakers and the Nets. They're bad teams. Okay. Got that off my back. College basketball, and I, I've started my college basketball schedule. I was over in Salt Lake uh, earlier in the week, saw the University of Utah. Eh, they're going to be okay. I don't think they're going to be a, a great Pac-12 team. I think they have a wonderful coach, though, in Craig Smith. And they got and, and they got a Brandon Carlson's a, a, a good big man, seven-footer who can who's skilled, can score on the outside, score on the inside, block some shots. Uh, I, said, I, excuse me, I had Colorado and Tad Boyle's team uh, a little more than a week ago. And they won their opener against um, Cal Riverside. And then they went on the road and played Grambling. And they got beat by Grambling. And with all due respect to the HBCU schools, typically they're not going to have the same talent as a Power 5 school and an upper-level Power 5 school like Colorado. And Tad Boyle was pissed, man. You could tell. He was he was pissed. So they go out and they have to play Tennessee on the road, number 11 team in the nation. And they end up beating Tennessee by 12. He sat down three starters initially, K.J. Simpson, Tristan Da Silva, Neek Clifford. And those guys all responded with good games off the bench. Message received. And it got me thinking about college basketball and where we are with the transfer portal. You're going to have a lot of major programs that 
no longer are playing with the you know the same guys for three years or even you know close to that because of the transfer portal you're always coaching new guys and in the case of mid-majors there may be more dangerous than ever because some of these one-time elite prospects that went to power five programs and mid-majors couldn't couldn't touch them coming out of high school well, if they didn't get the playing time that they thought they were going to get or they got sideways with a head coach, they transfer. And a lot of times it's maybe not to another power five, but they transfer to a mid-major where they feel like they can step in and be impactful right away. So it makes the mid-majors oftentimes more dangerous because they're playing with a higher talent level. And then the power five programs don't have the continuity that they did several years ago where guys are playing together for two and three years because they're always bringing in new players, whether it's through the transfer portal or now they're trying to you know work freshmen into the lineup. So you're going to see upsets. And we've already seen quite a, quite a few upsets uh, early in the college basketball season. While I'm on the subject of the University of Colorado, Congratulations to Tad Boyle, not only the win against Tennessee, but Tad Boyle has, for the second time in as many years, put together a top 15 recruiting class. He has two top 100 players. He has a five-star kid coming in, highest-rated kid out of high school that the University of Colorado has ever gotten, at least in this era where you know you have 247, you have rivals that, that rank Kids, I think if you go way back when Chauncey Billups signed with Colorado, it's probably still the best player that the University of Colorado, uh, from a high school standpoint, has ever signed. But uh, you know, Tad is now signing major, major recruits, and he's put guys in the NBA. I mean, he can flat out coach, and we know how successful that program's been. Uh, but oftentimes, he's done it with good players coming out of high school but not necessarily having players that Arizona and Kentucky and Kansas and that ilk of school wanted. Well, he's starting to get those guys now, too, and he continues to do it the right way. So, you know, hats off to Tad. We'll get him on the show, as we always do in the autumn, and uh, we'll talk about, uh, you know, some of the kids he signed and and how his program's doing in the early going. We'll get uh, that done here in the coming weeks. All right, want to... um, talk baseball for a moment. The Arizona Fall League, and we're going to talk to Zach Veen here in a moment. The Arizona Fall League goes on every year, and it's the top prospects in all of baseball that you know are, are getting close to being big leaguers. And if you get invited to that, it's a feather in your cap. And then if you excel, it really puts you even further on the radar of of everyone in baseball. And for the Rockies, they had several players there. And the one that stood out the most is the guy with the biggest name, and that's Zach Veen. He was named the most outstanding offensive player in the fall league, stole a bunch of bases as he's done throughout his minor league career. He's a big kid that plays with his hair on fire. And everyone I talk to, Warren Schaefer, his manager uh, in the Fall League, who's now moving from 
AAA, where he's the manager the last three years down in Albuquerque. He's going to be part of the big league staff. He'll be the infield coach, and and he'll uh, also coach third base. Uh, Warren's going to be on a show coming up, and and he raves about Zach Veen. He talks about his fearlessness. Chris Forbes, who's been a guest on uh, on the program uh, on a number of occasions, who's the farm director uh, for the Rockies, or upbeat guy, and 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 Forbes, he loves Zach Veen's fearlessness. He, there, there's a common theme with Zach Veen. He's not afraid, not afraid, and he wants to have an impact. And you're going to hear that, I think, from him in this conversation. And he's a kid, man, still. He's 20 years old. He'll be 21 in in the first part of December. And he's getting close, man. He's knocking on the door of the big leagues. So I think you're going to uh, have fun with this conversation and get to know one of the Rockies' top prospects even better. And, heck, not just one of the Rockies' top prospects. He is one of the top 15 or 20 prospects in all of baseball. 6'5 outfielder out of the state of Florida, Zach Veen. Well, Zach, first off, man, congratulations on the whole year, but in particular on the fall and being named uh, most outstanding offensive player with a bunch of other uh, highly thought of prospects. That had to be pretty cool for you. Yeah, it was um, It was definitely a cool experience. Um you know, I was happy with, uh, you know, how everything turned out. And, um, you know, I, I felt that I made some good adjustments. Do you feel like what happened in double A, and I don't know specifically, I, I, I know, you, I mean, you were killing it, you know, in high A and in, in Spokane, you, you go to Hartford, it's a big jump and, and, and the numbers at least initially weren't terrific. I'm, I'm not there. So, you, you know, you may have hit a ton of atom balls. I have no idea, but just that, that period of time, what you learned in Hartford, were you able to take to the fall league? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I feel like um, I think the you know the struggle in in Double A was um, you know I I thought I'd struggled in the past, but um, you know that's definitely the worst it's uh, it's felt. And um, you know I felt like that uh, set me up for a lot of success in the fall league, and you know it made me really have to. Uh, you know, figure out what I'm good at and, you know, what are, what are my strengths? So, um, you know, if anything, I think, um, you know, that, that rough patch I went through, uh, you know, set me up for, you know, a, a pretty good fall league. Gina, you, know, you probably heard this even in high school when you dominated, um, and even at some of the, the lower levels, um, of, of pro ball that I, it does not matter who you are. I always point this out, uh, to kids. Mike Trout went over 26 at one point this year. It's a brutally hard game, and you have to keep that confidence. And remember, you're the same guy that was, you know, seven for twelve, you know, a, a few days ago. Uh, is that something you keep in your hip pocket, or it's still a challenge? Yeah, it's um, you know, it's, it's definitely something that um, I've started to learn, and um, you know, confidence is key, and uh, you know, I think that confidence comes from, you know, just just being prepared and um, just doing what you got to do every day to. You know, feel like that, uh, you know, like the player that you can be out there and then, you know, the best of your ability. So, um, you know, when I started to, you know, not really worry about the results as much and, uh, you know, focus on the work that, um, is going to allow me to be successful, it, uh, you know, it did, it definitely changed, uh, you know, my whole game. Who's been your biggest influences so far? Uh, I'd definitely say my high school coach. Uh, John Goodrich has been a big one. Um, 
my family definitely been a good one and uh you know I've had a, a few big leaguers who um you know I know have my back and um you know guys that I can talk to I guess whenever about anything I would assume Brendan Rogers is one of those guys he's uh somewhat of a neighbor and and uh is it fair to say he's kind of taking you under his wing a little bit yeah no doubt he's um you know he's he's definitely somebody I lean on a lot and uh you know, he's been through, you know, pretty much everything I've went through, if not more. So, um, he's, uh, he's definitely a guy that, you know, it's good for him to kind of show me the ropes a little bit. And, um, you know, it, uh, couldn't ask for a better guy in the, you know, in the Rocky system to do that. So, you know, you guys share a lot in common, obviously, beyond geographically, you know, being Floridians in the same part of Florida, basically. But the fact that you're, you know, super high first round picks and with that come expectations, how have you handled that, Zach? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I, I kind of loved it, uh, honestly. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, you can call it pressure or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, if anything, um, I just love playing the game every day and, um, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, what pressure, you know, what, uh, you know, comes with that, um, you know, that expectation, uh, you know, I, I, I would be doing it regardless. So, um, you know, I, I really don't feel that any pressure, that much pressure. You obviously were, were talented and, and my guess is you were always pretty talented. When did the drive meet your talent going back to when you were a teenager? Yeah, I'd say, uh, when I was in middle school, um, you know, I was riding my bike to the, uh, the high school fields every day to, um, get some extra reps in. And, you know, I think when I was at a young age doing that, it, uh, definitely opened some doors for me that, uh, have definitely changed my, my baseball career to this day. And, um, you know, I think around that time is when, uh, you know, I'd say a lot of things clicked for me and I found that, you know, I guess drive for the game. Did you play another sport at all or, or anything else in high school? I did not. I was uh I was just baseball in high school. What's your next best sport? Ooh, probably uh probably basketball. You know, I'm not I'm not saying I'm too good, but that's definitely what I'd probably consider the next one. Yeah. Well I, you know, six four what are you, six four or so? Yeah, I'd probably say a good six five. Okay, six five. Well, you know, six five works on the hoop court too, right? Oh, no doubt. The three ball does, too. Yeah, that's all the game is now. You either, you either throw it down or you shoot the three. No doubt. Yeah, there you go. Hey, um, I have heard this from Chris Forbes on multiple occasions, from Warren Schaefer, who was just working with you in the in the fall league. And they say one of the great characteristics that you have is that you're fearless. Um, where'd that come from? Yeah, I would say... Um, you know, that's, uh, it's definitely something I felt that I've had, um, you know, as a, as a part of my game since I was younger. And, uh, when I was in high school, my coach was, um, you know, I guess really tough on a lot of guys. And I think that, um, you know, instilled the, the fearless part in me. And, um, you know, I, I, I was always taught to, you know, I play the game. Um, you know, I'm not thinking about, I guess what could go wrong, but you know, what could possibly happen. So, um, it's, uh, you know, you, you, you can't make the, the spectacular plays or the highlight plays, you know, without, 
you know, being uh, willing to get your head cut off out there. Yeah, yeah, and and a couple instances of you playing without fear. You did a couple of things that, for me, you don't see really outside of Little League, quite frankly. You know, you walk, ball goes to the backstop, and you try to turn that into, um, I'm going to be on second base, and you were able to do it against elite talent in the fall league twice from what I understand. I mean, that, that takes, uh, that takes some guts, man. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of cool. I mean, I definitely, you know, picture something like that happening before it happens. So it's, um, it's always cool when, uh, you know, the opportunity comes up to do it. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, if anything, I think it's something that I can always look for. And, um, you know, I definitely want that to be, you know, part of my game. You know, make them have to have to always keep their heads up. All right, I'm going to ask you a difficult question because you, you know, I I get it. You have humility, and you're a young player, and and you're doing everything you can to get to the big leagues and and to have an impact there and stick around for for a long, long time. But if you were to assess where you are right now, you'll be 21, and I guess in a couple of weeks. What are your current strengths? What are your current weaknesses? If you were to give a scouting report on Zach Veen? Yeah, I'd say, you know, strengths. Um, you know, I'd say my biggest one is, um, you know, I I feel like uh, I can set the tone, and you know, I'm not going to back down to anybody. So, uh, I'd say that's my biggest strength. Um, obviously, I'm a pretty good hitter as well, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd say base running, just all around offensively. Um, you know, I'm pretty solid at, and uh, I'd say weaknesses. Um, I'd say right now, it's uh, I'd probably say defense is um, something that I uh, you know look to you know turn around in spring training and you know come back and be uh, you know one of the best defenders we got. It's it's not the best. So, who do you um, who do you imagine yourself to be? Who did you follow growing up? And say, you know what? I feel like, and maybe some of it has to do with body type, left-handed swing. I I want to be like that guy, or maybe you didn't. But but I'm throwing it out there that there, there's a guy that you either you know looked up to or try to emulate. Yeah, I think um, you know A Rod was a uh, was my guy growing up. Um, that's why I got number thirteen, or why I started wearing it. And um, you know, I always thought he had a pretty good swing, so. Uh, you know, I tried to do what he did from the left side, and um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys as well. You know, I liked watching Griffey, I liked watching um, you know, a little, a little bit everybody. A Rod was probably my my number one when I was younger, though. Yeah, do you do you feel additional pressure? We touched on this a little bit. You, what you have in common with with B Rod, uh, but do you feel a little additional pressure? The, the you know the organization, the club's been down at the big league level the last couple of years. Uh, everyone, you know, in this day and age, people find out so much information, fans about guys, and and you were a really high pick. So, you know, I, I know people are anticipating your arrival and and, and probably are going to heap a lot of expectations on you, fair or unfair. Um, how do you handle that? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'd be I'd be lying if um, you know, I wasn't a little bit happy that I came into a an organization without a World Series. Um, I think it'd definitely be. You know, uh, something really special to be a, a part of that first team, and um, you know, uh, you know, I think I'm in, a, I'm in a really good spot. I, I really couldn't have picked a better organization to want to come into, and you know, essentially try to build back up. So it's, um, 
you know, I feel like uh, nothing could have worked out any better than it is. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, where where the organization is in, you know, 10 years. Yeah. Who else gets you excited? Some of the guys you've played with or, or maybe crossed paths with in the system? You know, even a guy like Ezekiel Tovar. I don't know if you guys did, – did you guys overlap for a minute in Hartford? Uh, no, I believe he wasn't there when I got there. But um, I played with him last year. And, um, you know, he's definitely somebody that I would be, you know, pretty excited. I'm going to be pretty excited to play with that guy. So, yeah, um, you know, he's probably one of the best defensive shortstops I've ever seen in person. Um, you know, the guy can do some unbelievable things with the bat, too. So. Good deal. What are you working on this winter? You're, you're back uh, back with your folks back in, in, in Florida, and you know how time flies between – you know, Thanksgiving and, and when you're reporting for, for spring training. But uh, what's on the agenda as you prepare? I'd say, you know, just getting that strength back and, um, you know, going back into spring, bigger, stronger, and faster. And, you know, I want to, um, you know, I guess feel at a point physically where, um, you know, I'm, I'm strong as I've been and, you know, where, you know, balls are just going out with ease. So it's uh, that's that's the main offseason goal. And, you know, go back being um, you know, a Gold Glove type defender. You know, that's my my off season plan right there. Good. Dude. Hey, Zach, with body weight wise, right now, and you're still obviously filling out. But what did you play at, and what do you think you'll play at next year? I was anywhere from 205 to 210 throughout the year, and um, you know, I plan on being 220 when I go when I show up to spring. So 220 to 225 is what uh, you know, that's the plan going back. Sounds good. Hey, what are your goals uh, immediately for 2023? Um, we talked about the fall league, obviously, and, and you had a cup of coffee, you know, in double A. What, what's your goal for 2023? Yeah, I'm, I mean. Don't be don't be shy. Yeah, it's to, um, you know, make an impact you know, with the big league team. Um, you know, I feel, you know, especially with how the team's shaping up at the big league level, um, you know, the, the team can definitely be a playoff caliber team and you know i believe that i can you know help win these games so um my my goal would be you know to get up there as soon as possible and you know help help make an impact well good deal zach i know a lot of people uh, are not only pulling for you but a lot of people are looking forward to watching you play you know at the big league level for the rockies uh on a night-to-night basis it's truly a journey and um from uh from your standpoint, it's like so far so good, and uh, it, it goes it goes quickly. You know that those uh, those weeks we were talking about between the end of the season and the start of another one. No doubt, it's, um, definitely excited to get back out there, though. You know, can't can't wait. Uh, well, listen, I appreciate the time. Look forward to seeing you in February. Uh, you gonna help? Uh, you gonna help with Turkey Day, by the way? Yeah, I'm gonna do my best. You gonna do your best to you know, put put the groceries away and uh, on the table, right? Yeah, no doubt. You know, maybe open up a few cans of food. So There you go. Hey, Zach, stay well, man. And again, thanks very much, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, too. Thanks for having me. He's a good kid, and I like how he answered a couple of those questions, in particular about, you know, dealing with the pressure. And he said, I'd be lying if I didn't say I'm kind of glad that the Rockies have not won a World Series yet. It's kind of an interesting way of, you know, expressing, you know, 
his motivation because he wants to be part of that first world championship. And man, that as a Rockies fan, we've been you know the last few years have been tough, been rough, you know, off the field losing you know Nolan Arenado, losing Trevor Story, and then on the field, not a lot of wins. And to get excited, you hear about the Tovars, you hear about the Veens, and then when you hear him express himself, it does get you excited. That's it's a process, man. It's it's not just pushing a button and all of a sudden you become, you know, Bryce Harper. But his talent levels there. Um, we talked earlier about his fearlessness, and you know he he wants to be part of not just individual success. It comes across he wants to be part of, of team success and and be part of uh, a group that that turns things around again for the Rockies. So that was uh, that was fun for for I'm sure for you, but also for me, getting to know Zach Veen a little bit uh, better. We'll see where 2023 takes him. My guess is at some point in time, Zach Veen will be playing in Denver. Uh, another Rockies note: they made a trade. Nolan Jones is picked up for Juan Brito. I saw Juan Brito uh, play in the instructional league a year ago. Good looking. You know, primarily a second baseman. He can hit. He gets on base just 20. And he had another good year this year. He was traded for Nolan Jones. Now, Nolan Jones was with the Guardians. He was originally a second-round pick um, at a high school. He was, uh, you know, Pennsylvania kid, really well thought of, signed for a lot of money. He was a top 100 prospect, I think, for three years running. He got to the big leagues this year. I don't know. He got about 80 plate appearances, you know, a couple home runs, you know, hung in there, nothing outlandish. Minor league numbers, by and large, have been good. And he swings the bat from the left side, which is important for the Rockies moving forward. I talked about it on television. I've talked about it on this podcast. The Rockies don't have a lot of left-handed bats, impactful left-handed bats. And I think they believe that Nolan Jones, who, again, had... uh, a brief time with the Guardians, a good team, by the way. We know that this year. Um, he was up. And so, you know, he's going to compete for a big league spot uh, in spring training. So it's a good opportunity for Nolan Jones. And uh, I thought it was an intriguing move uh, for the Rockies. He's um, he's a guy that hopefully, uh, there's some swing and miss in there, but uh, there's some pop in there. There's extra base hit in there. Uh, so we'll see how that one plays out. But I thought it was uh, an interesting move. It was actually one of the first trades also of uh, of the winter. You notice, by the way, as we get ready to depart, I have not mentioned the Denver Broncos. I think like all of you, we are tired of talking about good defense, bad offense, and why is Russell Wilson struggling? Some of it is is clearly the offensive line, but he's holding the ball too long. And right now, I'm sure you caught this as well, but it bears repeating. Right now, they're the first team, I think since 1946, and I can't even recall what NFL team it was in 1946, that this deep in the season, they lead the NFL in fewest points allowed. Hats off to that defense. And they lead the NFL in fewest points scored. The same team. That has not happened since 1946. Crazy. I guess it's not going to be as easy as uh, Russell Wilson's wearing 
the orange and, and the Broncos are going to have a wonderful offense. Well, there's always this week, right? That'll do it for this edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. Tell your friends. Appreciate you uh, listening in. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Some good shows coming up uh, as we uh, move through the holidays. Stay safe. Stay well. Talk to you in seven days. <laughs>